It's time to play ball. Welcome to the podcast with no limits. Whether it be sports, current events, or random thoughts, this is the place to step in and stay a while. Your host is a proud alumnus of Rio Hondo Prep, a former minor league baseball umpire, and a man with strong opinions. Welcome to the Get Home Safe podcast and your host, Matt Persima. Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of Get Home Safe. It is Thursday, June 18th, 2020. Thank you for joining us today or whenever you're listening to this program. We appreciate you taking the time to uh, give a listen and, and be a part of this program. It's been going on a few months now. Uh, we started up right before the quarantine and off we off we go here in the past couple months. We've been putting out shows five days a week. Uh, morning episodes with various guests and just really happy to bring you shows every week. Today we're going to be joined by Rick Johnson. Uh, he is a school teacher in La Puente, California. He also is a coach at Cary Youth League. He's a graduate of Real Hondo Prep from 1991. One of the best athletes that have ever gone through Real Hondo Prep. We have a lot of fun stories uh, and some uh, cool topics we discussed when we uh, sat down for an interview. It was a great time catching up with him. I actually got to coach with Rick when I was a young kid, like eighth or ninth grade. Uh, it was it was absolute pleasure, man. You learned a lot from him. He's a teacher at heart. I mean, everything he does, he's he's teaching people, whether it's coaches or the kids, uh, his classroom. Just a very uh, very good guy. Very good at what he does, getting through to people, whoever they might be, and just a good, good man. So I'm looking forward to having you guys listen to this. Um, <laughs> I was notified by Will Tarico, who works down at Real Hondo Prep. He showed me an Instagram post, and it was Flint Ridge Prep, who's a, who was a rival in the Prep League, one of Real Hondo Prep's rivals. And I thought to myself, what is he showing me here? And all it said basically was Flint Ridge Prep is changing their name. From, from the Rebels to the Wolves. And I didn't even need to think too long on it. And I was like, oh, they're doing the whole cancel culture thing, the offensive mascot thing. Nowhere on Flint Ridge Prep's uniforms was there a Confederate flag. Uh, a, <laughs> I, <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I can't even get the words out with this thing because this is where we're at these days. Uh, I've ne- let, let's get one thing straight. As a Real Hunter Prep graduate and someone who was a rival of Flint Ridge Prep, I've never liked them. I've never liked uh, their athletics, their program, their their mascot, uh, anything. I hate the the silver and uh, navy blue. Uh, but but that's as an opponent. Like there's still a, a respect there for for the school, the institution. Uh, they've they've been established or they were established, I believe, in like 1933. They've been around since before World War II. I could be wrong, but that's kind of what I looked up and saw. And I don't know if they've always been the Rebels or not, but uh, all these years, the name Rebels has been okay. But in 2020, we 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 magically snap our fingers and that name is now offensive. So uh, I have never once thought of the Flint Ridge, Flint Ridge Prep Rebels in a Confederate war uh, uh, <laughs> depiction. That's never been the thought when I've heard their name. I, I, I hate even saying Flint Ridge Prep because again, they're such a rival to us. So the Pasadena Poly Panthers, I'm sure uh, maybe that name's offensive. I, I don't know. Uh, I know Real Hondo Prep is made fun of for their name being the cares and how they, they're, uh, you know, it's about raising people who 
care about the things of God, basically. And it's spelled with a K, with a K because uh, they want cares to be different. And, and it also stems from all the people in Care Youth League, how it, most of the people on the team are uh, from Care Youth League. So these, these are all cares. Y- you don't have to love the name or not, but I was just I, – I, <laughs> I was like, wow, that happened fast. I don't know if they've been planning to change your name for a while or not, but way to go, Flint Ridge. Way to go. I I know you guys, you guys are brave. You are brave people over there for making that change from the rebels to the wolves. Although, uh, although I got to tell you, uh, the wolves are pretty offensive too. You know, they, they are meat eaters. Um, To my knowledge, you know, they they can attack people and and harm people as well. And and so uh, where does this end guys? I mean, uh, you know, what's next? I mean, the, the pirates are gonna are gonna be offensive. The Vikings, all these different. You guys understand these are mascots, right? These aren't like real people. You guys understand what a mascot is? It's almost like a cartoon character in some cases. So, but but again, we go back to cartoons, and apparently that's under attack these days too. So, uh, man, Flint Ridge Prep. You know, there's a reason Flint Ridge Prep. That you, yes, you're very, you're very scholastically, uh, you know, great school. You're you're great with education. You put kids in great colleges, but you know it's just stuff like this. In the early in the early nineties, well, for and even before that, Rio Hondo, Polly, Flint Ridge, they all played in the same league, the prep league. They all played eight man football because they were small schools. Eventually, Polly, Flint Ridge, and Chadwick, all the schools in the league, they went into eleven man football. And Rio stuck around playing eight-man football. I I, I applaud uh, the prep league schools for doing that. Rio should have gone eleven man sooner. I think everyone agrees with that. But now, after I don't know, eh, let's figure. Let's just call it twenty years. You want to call it fifteen years? That's fine too. But r- roughly twenty years go by, and now Flint Ridge uh, is going back to eight-man football. Why? Because. They were struggling in 11, man. It was hard. They they couldn't get that, that many players out there. I don't ever want to hear about numbers from teams anymore. Real Hondo plays 11-man football with like 19 guys, 20 guys sometimes, whatever it is. You can, you can put an 11-man team out there. You just got tired of getting pushed around. You guys had some success, Flint Ridge Prep. You had some great success. You beat me twice, once by one point and another time by two points. I'm still mad at you for it, but you beat me that day, both of those days. That was 11-man football, and you guys won a CIF title not long after that. So uh, you've had some success. Don't tell me now uh, that your name is offensive and that you have to play eight-man football because your school's so small. Again, this is this more this is more about going backwards stuff. I guess they're moving forward with the name change. That's a that's a moving forward thing, I guess. But going back, I don't know. I, I hope to hope to God and, and pray every day that Rondo never goes back to eleven eight man football. Uh, I I don't think that's an option. As bad as numbers might get, uh, as bad as things may get, please administration play eleven man football and don't and don't change your name. It'll never change. I know, but but I, I, I'm I'm half joking here and half serious. I mean, I, Long Beach State, another university, they changed their name about a year ago which I didn't even know about until a few months ago, but they changed their name from the 49ers to, to the Sharks. Now, don't get me wrong. Uh, I, I despise the 49er name specifically for the San Francisco 49ers, but 
uh, the Long Beach State 49ers. That was their their name. Uh, and uh, apparently, Prospector Pete, there was a statue on campus, and he was kind of their unofficial mascot. And in 2019, he he's offensive in 2019 for his treatment to indigenous people, I guess. That was the reasoning. Now, does does the Sharks make a little more sense for Long Beach State, a school that's right by the beach? Yeah, I'd say so. I'd, I'd say that that makes sense. But, I mean, this take, – take away everything else that's going on in, in the world these days and, and these, these mascot changes of names and these, these changing of, of television shows and uh, movies and erasing history. I mean, what are we doing? Uh, look, at, don't get me wrong. Flint Ridge, I know your heart's in the right place. I know you're trying to uh, be more uh, receptive and to – to uh, adapt and to evolve and this and that. But was there this big outcry really to change your name? You're, you're a, you're a pri- very small private school in La Cunada, California, which is just outside of Pasadena, very nice area. I can't imagine there was a big uh, picketing outcry for you to change your name. So those are my thoughts. <laughs> This morning, uh, I, I'm sure someone will say, Matt, you're being insensitive. You're being, yeah, all those fancy words. Say them all, say them all. Sensitive, insensitive, what else? Uh, uh, offensive, uh, I don't understand. Uh, Matt, it's a, it's 2020. You need to you need to open up more and, and understand that, the, uh, whatever. <laughs> say what you want. Uh, but th- those are my thoughts. And again, guys, as I say every day, these are opinions. They're my opinions. You don't have to agree with them. And I don't have to agree with yours. So these are opinions. I, I just saw I I saw that Will sent that to me, and he said, "Please talk about this on the show." I said, "Oh, you're absolutely right. I'm going to talk about this on the show." So way to go, Flint Ridge Prep. Way to way to way to be the the leaders that we need in 2020. Changing your name from from Rebels because apparently that that is strictly associated with the Civil War. Even though I've never thought of it that way uh, with your name, I've never I've never liked your name. Uh, but that's just because I'm, I'm, uh, you know, I, I don't like the Panthers either because they're Pasadena Poly. So it has nothing to do with with me being offended by your name. I, I just I don't I don't like your school because you're 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 uh, you're an opponent. You're a rival. That's all. It's not like I despise uh, the people there that run things or, or or any of that. So anyway, that's just one quick story about Flint Ridge Prep and Poly. When we were seniors. Uh, we were 11 man football and Flint Ridge actually hosted this round, this uh, round robin kind of football scrimmage where all the prep league teams play, come play at their school and all five of them. And we just all took turns playing each other, 10 plays each, uh, 10 plays here, 10 plays there. Uh, well, afterwards, Flint Ridge was gracious. They got pizza for all the players and coaches and everything. And they had all these tables set up. And, you know, the Flint Ridge guys and the Paul, Pasadena Poly guys, they all kind of know each other. And... <laughs> You know, they were all kind of um, co-mingling and, and sitting amongst the, all the, the teams were kind of sitting amongst each other. And me and a few of my teammates were like, I'm not sitting with those guys. I, I, they're not my friends. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not sitting at the same table as Footridge and Pasadena Poly guys. Are you nuts? We're trying, to, we're trying to compete against each other this year. I don't need to share a, a piece of pizza with those guys. Why? I'm not being, uh, you know, I'm not trying to <laughs> be divisive and say, uh, you shouldn't be friends with your opponents, but I, I, I just had no interest in that. I, I was 
I was dialed in and, and wanted to compete with those guys. I didn't, you know, man, some other guys, yeah, they were friends off the field. Uh, even some real Hondo prep guys, but, but not me, not me. Uh, maybe afterwards, maybe later in life. Uh, but, but not <laughs> what I'm trying to compete. I respect my opponents. I really do, but uh, I'm not trying to be i I'm all about handshakes, uh, sportsmanship, all those things, but I'm not trying to have a lunch, uh, with <laughs> some of my opponents. Uh, anyway, that's a quick story there, but all right. Well, that's enough of that. Enough of me rambling. I apologize. Well, I don't apologize really. Uh, <laughs> I had to get that out. Maybe I'll, I'll have some more to say about it later, but all these mascot changes, you guys do realize they're mascots, right? They, they, yeah, they are symbols and things that, you know, stand for something and, and school pride and this and that. But at the end of the day, it, it's a, it's a cartoon picture. Really? It's a, it's a painting, uh, the real Hondo prep really doesn't have a single mascot. It's, it's more, it's a symbol and it's more about the students. The students are the mascot, not, not just, uh, the, uh, you know, the rebel name or the wolves or the sharks or whatever the case is. Uh, so anyway, guys, let's take a quick break and then we will get right to the interview with Mr. Rick Johnson. <laughs> All right, today we are joined by Rick Johnson. He is a member of the class of 1991 from Rio Hondo Prep. Uh, he's a coach in Cary Youth League, has been doing that a long time, but he is also a teacher at California Elementary in La Puente, California. So uh, let's get right to it. Uh, Rick, I just want to welcome you to the program. All right. Thank you, Matt. It's a pleasure. Have uh, you had an opportunity to listen to any of the podcasts uh, here on the show, Rick? I have a couple. I haven't, honestly, I uh, I haven't listened to as many as I probably would like to, but uh, I've, I've heard a couple, especially a couple ones that are Gator related. Um, so that was kind of cool. Yeah, absolutely. And and Rick, we'll touch on high school in a second, but you know, you've always been a, an Indian guy to my knowledge, uh, Indian Braves, a Cary Youth League, and you know, uh, in your uh, early adulthood, you switched over to, uh, I call it the good side, to being a Gator a gator coach. And, and I had an opportunity to, to actually coach with you when I was like in eighth or ninth grade. But I got to tell you, that light boot looks way better on you than the red does, I think. Ha, there you go. Uh, I am actually back to the red with the Bulldogs. But, uh, yeah, I was with, I mean, I grew up playing for Indian. And uh, then, you know, started coaching Indian. And then uh, I don't remember what year, but um, I moved out to the Gators and, and uh, what was it? Russell Park, I think it was called at that time. It might have been Wingate. I don't remember which one. And uh, definitely I, I enjoyed those Gator years and uh, we had some fun teams and, and uh, yeah, it was, it was good. But I'm back uh, over uh, back in actually Orendale now, which is closer to my house. So it, it works out really well. <laughs> well, uh, you know, uh, I guess nothing uh, great lasts forever. No, all kidding aside, you've, <laughs> you've been a you've been a great coach for uh, so many kids in the Indian and now the Bulldogs. I still have an opportunity, occasion to see uh, see you coaching sometimes in the the Cary Youth League. And yeah, that new facility in Irwindale. I mean, for those who haven't seen it, it's right off the six hundred five freeway uh, near the Santa Fe Dam. You can't miss it. I mean, what are your thoughts on having that? that new facility there, it's been up a few years now, but it's got to be just a game changer, right, for Cary Youth League? Oh, yeah. Before, you know, we were struggling to get fields, and you got, like, a couple teams sharing, like, you know, half a field or whatever. And now, you know, and also because we have lights, we technically can go a little bit later. So um, you pretty much have time for a whole field. And, 
and uh yeah it's it's great and there's other you know just so much space out there so you don't have to like you're not all tight with everything and it's great there's still a little uh a couple phases that still need to be uh phased out um one of the fields isn't quite complete but uh as far as the grass area and being able to use it it's great you know, I, I always uh, – I grew up as an East guy, a guy who uh, – I played on the Gators. I was – the park was known as Wingate Park. You know, it had its uh, its own charm to it when I was growing up. But when I was in sixth grade, I believe they did a re – they uh, basically the city of Covina like kind of redid the park and they renamed it Kayla Russell Park. Care Youth League had to find some alternate locations in the East – so, yeah, Rick, I'd always kind of tease the, the coaches in the West because they had no idea what it was like to have club meetings outside with no club room. Not only are there plenty of distractions for the kids with the trees and the creek, and but you got trains going by. So I know that, uh, I don't know, I always looked at it like like we had a little more grit to us out in the East. Yeah, for sure. The the East, uh, definitely there seemed to be a little bit more uh, toughness out there. But, uh, you know, I think that made it made it fun, too. You know, it, it was more of an adventure, didn't have the luxuries necessarily. Um, but I also remember the kids just loved that, like, ditch, you know, that little stream going through or whatever. And that was like, you, you had to, like, pry them out of, you know, hey, come to practice because, uh, you know, life was down in the ditch. That's right. I mean, boys will be boys, and, and boys love to get dirty and jump in water and uh, – chase uh you know little critters and all kinds of stuff and yeah i remember those days and uh it's since you know been kind of cleaned up a little bit over there but yeah those were things that just kind of made the east special and wingate park or kayla russell whatever you want to call it uh but that (laughs) (laughs) but that new facility in irwindale uh you know it's a dream come true for the organization i'm really happy for them and and i've got to say this that it's a little nicer for the east kids having you know a little shorter drive not having to go all the way to arcadia Oh, for sure. It's just right off the freeway, freeway right there. And uh, a lot of kids from, you know, that were from Baldwin Park. It's just like, boom, it's right there. So, yeah, it's definitely it's it's very convenient where it's located. And and uh, I think it's it's a it's a definitely a great addition to our facilities. Well, I got to tell you, when I was uh, okay, I grew up a big sports guy. I'm sure we all did. You know, you you start coaching and you get fired up about it. I was just an eighth grader, ninth grader, whatever it was. And I got to coach with you and I coached with some other guys before. And, you know, you think, you know, the game, you think, you know, things you you try to take pride in, in what you're doing. And I remember being really excited about it all. Uh, but I got to tell you, I, I, we were blessed with some really good teams and some great kids. But I learned so much from you, Rick, just about coaching and and things you do, things you practice, the way you uh, work with kids, things you hold them accountable for, things you just different ways you motivate uh, young kids. We're talking third, fourth graders. Um, So so we only got to coach for a couple of years together, but I, I just enjoyed working with you. From, from so many for so many reasons I mean you, you took pride in how the coaches looked well, I remember we'd always have a conversation about hey what are we going to wear for uh, for coaching football or coaching basketball like we'd have these uh, these sweet like coach uh, polo shirts or just we look sharp and, and I, I remember taking pride in that with you and just one of many lessons I learned from coaching with you yeah sure the funny thing is that you know at the time we thought they looked sweet but you look back at those <laughs> pictures you're like what in the world we were wearing those things yeah definitely like you said I I wanted to look sharp I you know I felt like hey let's let's look professional let's let's um I don't know take some pride like you said and uh 
also with the team. Like I, I want the guys looking good. I don't want, you know, guys out there with, you know, in basketball wearing, you know, wrong color shorts or stripes on them or whatever. I mean, you know, if you look at, you know, high school teams, professional teams, they, they wear a uniform and we wanted to look sharp. And my thing was, Hey, if we're, if we're not going to, at least if we're not going to win, at least we'll look good losing. Right. So, <laughs> at least we had something over the other team, you know, but yeah, we definitely did have some uh, good kids, good teams, very supportive parents. And it was definitely uh, a good time out, out in the East. Yeah, just some memories I wouldn't trade uh, for the world. And you learn a lot about yourself as a, as a young man, too, working working with kids as a 14, 15-year-old. And, and I think that is so, uh, so, so interesting, uh, such a, a unique thing that, that Real Hondo Prep does is having their um, high school kids give back and work with young men or, you know, young kids uh, in care youth league and coach them. And, you know, not everyone's going to be a coach down the road, but it's, it's getting out there and working with kids, coaching kids really that gives the, the high school kids themselves some lessons, teaches them responsibility. And, and I think above all how they should carry themselves accordingly because little kids are looking up to you. Oh yeah, definitely. And that's, that's something important, even with them coming to practices, you know, for me, I'm like, hey, we got to we got to look like coaches. Like, I don't want you out there in flip flops. I don't want you out there in cut off or tank tops. You know, you wear you look good. I want you to wear our colors or wear real Hondo stuff. I'm OK with that. Um, but, you know, we're working on being on timely. Um, and definitely, like you said, they're, they're not all going to be coaches, but it, it's great training for being a responsible person uh, for, a few, you know, for your future job and in the future, you know, you're going to have these skills that they're going to be able to kind of go back on like, Oh man, it started when I was younger, you know, and also just giving of their time. I mean, they are sacrificing a lot of time to do that. And uh, that, you know, does show character and um, it, it is appreciated definitely by us. Yeah, very much so. And and most leaders who coach in carry youth league, they are, uh, they are, uh, people that went through Rondo Prep, most of them, not all. And, and so they've all had that experience in working with kids uh, as a high school person, working with kids and, and just they, they want to continue to do it after high school and they're very giving them themselves. I think it's very unique place, Care Youth League, in that uh, the coaches, they are known as leaders because they're so much more than a coach. And, and I remember, Rick, <laughs> you were always real good uh, at giving it back to kids. Anytime a, a player would call you, know, a kid would, hey, Hey coach, hey coach, you'd be like player, player. <laughs> yeah, man, I want. I was like, hey, I'm calling you by your name. You can call me by my name. I don't know. I just, you know, I just, just kind of mess with them that way. But yeah, I still get it from. I still get it from uh, in school too. Keep it, teacher, teacher, and I'll I'll say, student, student. What do you want? You know, it's like <laughs> trying to get them a hint. Like, hey, you know, and I have a name. You have a name. Let's go with it. Yeah, I, it's very, uh, very much so. And I love that the leaders are still called, uh, you know, Mr. Johnson, uh, Mr. Carson. Uh, you know, it gets a little confusing when there's some family members like you and your brother are both Mr. Johnson. You're, you know, uh, that gets a little bit uh, odd. But you know what? I think that is a tradition that's kind of been carried on through Real Hondo Prep and Care Youth League that I think is really good. I don't know where it stemmed from. Uh, I'm assuming Mr. Hampton, but, you know, 
it's very different in that regard than any other youth sports program out there. Uh, and, and in doing so, I think it's great because parents even refer to coaches as Mr. Johnson. And then the mutual respect is given back, you know, my, Hey, Mr. Hersemer, it's, it's a very respectful program with everybody involved. And I think, again, it's very unique that way. Yeah. And I think that's where it did stem from was the whole respect thing. Like, Hey, we want to be, you know, he, Mr. Hampton wanted the coaches to be respected and, and to respect others. And that was just one way of teaching the kids, hey, someone in authority, you address them as Mr. or Miss or Mrs. So-and-so. And like to this day, I, even to my principal, most people will call her by her first name, but I call her Ms. Lee. And I just have a hard time calling her by her first name just because and she's younger than me. But <laughs> it's just, uh, you know, something that I was taught, you know, hey, she has a higher position to me and I'm going to show her authority by you know calling her by by her name (laughs) yeah it's a it's a it's a good habit to have I think you can't go wrong (laughs) you know right yeah you you can always you can always kind of uh you know bring down the respect but it's hard to bring up the respect you know what I mean true true and some people will say oh no just call me this but even then I you know I have a hard time um you know, calling them by their first name just because I've known them as Mr. or Mrs. So-and-so. And and, uh, that's just, I don't know, that's how it is. Yeah, I've interviewed a bunch of people here on the podcast and and talking to them. um, Yeah. (laughs) Hey, Mr. Uh, So-and-so. And And they're like, don't call me that. I'm like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But I, that's how I know you too. So, oh man. Well, yeah, some habits never die. And and I think good habits uh, shouldn't, you know what I mean? So, Uh Well, well, Rick, let's talk about uh, – you, you can talk about Care Youth a little bit first, but, you know, you were someone that pretty much grew up in Care Youth League. You you uh, you lived right there by the campus, basically. Your your parents were involved. So what was it like? I mean, was it just kind of did – you, did you not really know that there was uh, – that the, there wasn't really another option to not play in Care Youth League, or was it just kind of like, oh, yeah, this is how life is? Yeah, I mean, I think it, it was how life was, and – and yeah, I mean, I didn't really know of other things, but I think back then it wasn't as big as it is now. Now, like the AAU and travel ball and all that, it, it's pretty big. And uh, I don't know that it was, I mean, to me, it didn't seem like it was as big back then. But I think also with social media, just like, you know, things get out there a lot faster now. So, you know, people are holding tournaments and they just send things out through social media now. But uh, yeah, I mean, both of them were very involved and uh you know, at, at times it was difficult just because, you know, your, your parents are in charge and you're kind of, you know, looked at to hold a certain line. And, you know, we aren't perfect individuals and I'm, I'm definitely had my errors and and, uh, you know, that was that was tough because, you know, your parents have a certain position and and, you know, you're messing up and kind of making them look bad. But, um, you know, I got over it and uh, and it was it was great. I mean, I have no regrets, everything. Um, it was definitely a great experience. Yeah. I mean, let's talk about, uh, you know, real Hondo prep and you talk about your parents there. I mean, your dad, Randall Johnson, uh, senior, he, he was very influential to a lot of young men in, uh, in real Hondo prep. He was a legendary football coach. Uh, if I let's see, if I, if I added up correctly, I believe seven CIF football championships, I could be wrong. So forgive me, but, uh, so such a, a long time coaching uh, football. He also had some championships as a 
the girls' basketball coach. And, and before we kind of touch on, you know, your personal experiences in Rio, I mean, what, what can you tell me about uh, your dad? He, he's pa- he passed away a few years ago. And uh, just just what it was like having the legendary uh, football coach in, in your household. Well, it was it was very cool. When I, I just remember when I was younger, you know, wanting to wanting to just go to all the practices and and of course, you know, being young, my parents didn't want me out that late, but I remember it was a big deal if I can go to one of the night practices and just kind of hang out and, you know, watch the practices and uh they they used to actually practice over on the golf course, which is right next to Rio. There was a little area where the the golf course wasn't using and they would actually practice over there at night because I believe they had lights and and uh maybe that's why I'm not I'm not sure exactly why but um so that was always fun and um going over there and checking out their practices but I definitely you know I think it it helped me you know I can I can learn from him and learn and see what guys are doing and and I I just felt like it made me um a, a better player because you know I wasn't the greatest athlete but I felt like I had the knowledge of and you know having some of that knowledge makes you appear to be a little bit better than you are so (laughs) I think that definitely helped me out well well I I don't think there's many people here that would say that you weren't uh you weren't a great athlete you you're pretty pretty good uh to my knowledge you played uh, varsity and pretty much everything as a freshman uh, you know, and, and, uh, man, that had to just be, you jump into high school right away and it's like, okay, here we go. We're playing with the big boys. I mean, what was that process like? Did you play varsity uh, through everything as a freshman? Did you, were you just kind of filling in or what was that like for you? No, I did get to play varsity all, all three sports. We played football, basketball, baseball. Uh, I will say there were, we didn't have a lot of numbers, so that did help, but, um, <laughs> I think also in eighth grade, you know, Mr. Drain, we definitely were challenged in eighth grade. We were playing some pretty big schools um, that had some really good talent. Um, so, you know, and we, you know, took our beatings as far as, you know, not always winning those games. But, you know, I, I think it prepared us for the next level and, and those challenges. I, I I know as a freshman, you know, the coaches were a little hesitant in putting us in. And I was always the, you know, hey, man, I want to play. And. And uh, I think that that helped me, too, is I I was very competitive. So, you know, I would do whatever to to get into the game. And and, uh, you know, if it meant staying extra and shooting or playing catch or whatever it was, I'm going to do it. You know, I I think that there there's there there at times is a lack of that drive in in people and players, especially as a young age. They just think, you know what, oh, we're good enough. But but it really is those moments of staying after practice, doing extra work, whether any of the sports, shooting, uh, kicking field goals in football, running routes, uh, pitching, maybe maybe a few more ground balls. I mean, that adds up over time. You see the best in the business do it. You know, the Kobe Bryants of the world, uh, you know, all these guys that just put in the extra work. So I could see that. And, and knowing the guys you played with in high school, you know, Todd Carson, John Lee, uh, P. Clark, Jeff Fairley. Uh, I don't want to miss any names, but all those names, all those guys, I think you were, you were blessed with to be around some just true competitors and there's been some great Rio Hondo teams, but I think you guys uh, are probably up there among the best uh, to have ever done it. We weren't always on the same team, 
So that was the hard part. We were always different teams in care. But, you know, once we started getting to junior high and we could play together, that was like, oh, this is awesome. Now we get to finally, you know, we're with, with, with each other. And uh, but, man, we just grew a lot as a team. And and we definitely had some successful seasons. And like I said, I, I don't I couldn't say that, you know, there was one guy that was a superstar. It was just together as a team. We just we gelled really well and, and played well together, which just made us a lot better than we were. I mean, if you look even in football, if you look at the other teams and it's still nowadays, too, you know, it's like the other teams, they have way more guys and they're bigger and faster. And then we end up beating them. And you're like, how's that possible? This little team is beating these guys. Right. But just just uh, yeah, just the teamwork was was uh, amazing. It was fun to be a part of. Oh, I bet. Uh, Rick, the first 10 seconds of that, uh, it, it was like you were far away and then it came in just l- really loud and clear. I don't, did you change anything or is that just kind of what's Not going on? Not that I know of, but uh, I might have been moving my phone a little bit. I don't know. Sorry okay. about that. Oh, you said, no, it's, you sound, you sound good now. So, uh, and then, like I said, it took about 10 seconds and then you came in. Uh, okay. Uh, where were we? Okay. Well, yeah, I think camaraderie is is so underrated. And so, you know, people don't value it as much as they should. I mean, you guys, you talk about teamwork, but I got to imagine you guys were uh, the closest of friends. Uh, I I see it now. I never had the opportunity to watch you guys play. But I know as you've all grown into adulthood and have families of your own now, and just seeing how you guys still interact. You, get, you don't always see each other all the time, but anytime you and Todd get together, I could see it. Anytime you and Pete talk, you and Fairley, uh, you know, anytime I, I've seen that, it seems like you guys have just been friends for a lifetime, and the, the connections just, uh, they never die. They just pick them up right where they left off. Oh, yeah, for sure. Actually, just this last uh, Saturday, we had a little barbecue over at the Clarks, and, you know, Jeff was there, Todd was there, Pete, unfortunately, was working, but PC was there, and, you know, I hadn't seen Todd in a while because he was up north, and, yeah, it's just like good old times, but, yeah, definitely, um, you know, we definitely developed some great friendships and um, definitely have lasted for a long time, so that, you know, can't complain about that. <laughs> uh, it's, it's outstanding and I've had the opportunity to to talk with a few guys already here on the podcast and, and these are guys that I didn't know really that well I know of uh, we've chatted a little bit here and there but they have had this uh, you know I think uh, was it John John said it John Lee he goes you know what you and I were 10 years apart but we still have that real Hondo connection uh, you know people that I knew or vice versa where uh, we felt like we knew each other more. So yeah, I've had the opportunity to interview John, uh, Paul Clark, who you mentioned just now. Uh, it's been so fun to chat with the various uh, people from Real Hondo that you know that are that you're connected to that you don't even know it. I mean, it's a it's a big family. Uh, it really is. Uh, you guys, the group you just mentioned, are much closer than, than other aspects of it. But I just think the Real Hondo Prep connection is special, and it's a big part of. Uh, this podcast. And and I talked to a bunch of other friends as well from other avenues of my life. But I got to tell you, I know so many people from Rio and and so many people doing great things that it would be, uh, you know, I I just had to bring them on and talk about the different connections. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, And I think a lot of that is, you know, it is a smaller school. Everybody kind of gets to know each other really well. 
And then just a lot of extra things that you, we do, you know, the outings and the, the trips and the camps and all that, you just, you just bond so much on those. I mean, um, you know, my son got to go to Europe last year and a lot of the guys, that's like their favorite thing they got to do is go to Europe and, um, you know, just the, the bonding they got to do there. And, and a lot of the seniors, that was like their highlight, you know, from the, you know, basically they asked them what was their best thing from Rio. And a lot of them said, you know, the trips, especially the last Europe and how we got a bond and, and uh, you know, just the experiences they had on those. You, you know, what's one of, one of the most fun things about talking about Rio Hondo prep. It, it's, it's trying, <laughs> it's trying to explain some things a- and y- you can explain to some point. Yeah. Our school was really small. We had 15 in our class or, you know, the uh, hundred in the whole high school, you can explain those things. They, they're still surprising to people, but the things you really can't truly explain to people without really getting into it is summer trips. You just, you just can't say, Oh yeah, we had a summer trip. No, you have to explain to them. Okay. So every other year, <laughs> the boys go one year, the girls go the other. It's usually the high school kids. Sometimes it's junior high kids, but yeah, you either go six weeks, <laughs> give or take on a bus, <laughs> stay in campgrounds, put on a, uh, some type of production, a musical or, or a play that kind of gives to the campground people and, and, you know, makes it a little cheaper to stay there. Or, or in some cases you go to Europe for four or five weeks, whatever it is. And you're with your entire high school team and you're, you're traveling all these sites and people are just, anytime you say that people are just like, wait, can you say that again? I don't fully comprehend. So summer trips are so special, so unique. uh, And you have to have a, a sure a ton of memories from those experiences. Oh, for sure. They were definitely unique. And actually, because of the summer trips, I was actually able to go to I've been to all 50 states. There was only one that I didn't go on the trip. That was Hawaii. But we went with our family. But every other state. So, you know, I could proudly say I've been to all 50 states. But that was because of all the trips that I had the chance to go on. But, yeah, they were just great experiences. Um I, I kind of joke with people that we kind of started CrossFit. If you think about it, we'd get up in the morning, we'd run our two miles, then we'd come back and we would take the set down, which is, you know, big, heavy platforms of things. And you're carrying them and lifting them and doing all kinds of things. And I was like, man, that we started CrossFit. That's CrossFit right there. <laughs> I've never, but yeah, I've those never... are great experiences. I mean, we came back in great shape. Um also, just all the all the things we got to see. I mean, just think about all the land landmarks, the famous landmarks, pretty much, you know, the top 15, 20 landmarks in the country. You know, I could probably say I've seen them all and experienced them all. It's It was just a really good time. Oh, yeah. And, you know, I, I was one of my earliest podcasts in this. I started talking about my favorite movies and a lot of them were history or or uh, war based films. And as I'm going down this list, I'm talking, I'm saying, yeah, this is a place I've been. Oh, yeah, I've been there, too. Oh, yeah, I've been here. And then I was like, you know what? A lot of these movies uh, (laughs) are things, are places I've actually been. And and who else can say that? I mean, the different historical, because battlefields or landmarks, I think you can appreciate them more when you've actually been there and seen them in person. And we've been fortunate to do that. Definitely. And then also, you know, in school, you know, you're, you're talking about these things and, and you know about it cause you've been there. And, uh, you know, I just remember in college, I had to write about certain paper papers from Europe and, you know, I'd been to Europe. So I was like, Oh man, this is, this is awesome. I could talk about, 
you know, what I have seen. And it, it just came a little bit more alive to me. Also, the funny thing about uh, those trips is we do other things besides obviously putting on the plays. But at the campground, we were always looking for adventure, whether whether it was a river to float down in or I remember the stick wars was what it was big. I don't remember how that got started, but, you know, it was basically like a war, you know, like, you know, east versus north versus south or east west, whatever you want to call it. And uh, everybody found their really good stick, and it was like sword fights, right? And if you got hit, you went to jail. It's kind of like capture a flag in a way. But, like, these sticks, you know, they'd have little, you know, branches coming out, and you'd get gashes here and there, and we'd come back all bloody. But, you know, we were guys. We didn't care. We're like, oh, yeah, this is the greatest thing, right? But uh, eventually, things got a little softer, and they started making us, uh, you know, people got too too many cuts or whatever and we had to throw the sock on the end or whatever so and nowadays you, you probably can't even touch a stick war because you know that it's just not allowed anymore probably no you need a permit you need yeah. uh, you know, <laughs> sign a waiver you know waiver, safety waiver no no so <laughs> oh my goodness yeah you're right rick i mean i remember we were all we all thought it'd be cool to touch to to like Hold that hold you know link up hold hold hands and like go all fifty guys deep and grab this uh, electric fence yeah, and yeah. all all get shocked at the same time. I mean we we did some stupid things, but at the time you're like, oh this is your high school kids. Oh this is so yeah. cool. Yeah, this is a blast. <laughs> and every now and then too, uh, in all seriousness, you know you're you're all together for a long time and uh, you know what? Occasionally there'd be some fights break out, like nothing yeah. too major, but. <laughs> You know what? Hey, that was that just that was that happened too in, in the bus in the campground. A couple guys would come to blows, and you know they were over quick. But uh, it was just it was just like you see in in dugouts of uh, baseball teams sometimes of teams guys coming to blows stuff like that. So summer trips, they really had it all. They really did. Yeah, for sure. And then the nice thing is, you know, the next day it was almost like they you wouldn't even known they were in a fight. It was over, like you said, and. They kind of, you know, sometimes it's frustration or whatever it is. And, you know, you blew off the steam and, okay, we're good. Let's go move on. <laughs> oh, man, you're, you're taking me back so much, man, to these, these summer trips. And I'm with you. I mean, I remember I got the bright idea. I We had these Civil War props for one of the scenes in one of our plays. And, I, and we were bored at the campground one time. And I got the bright idea. Hey, let's, hey, let's go grab the the guns and the, the swords from the Civil War props. And let's do like this pretend fake charge thing or, <laughs> you know, pretend like we're fighting. And I remember I got in trouble for that. And I was say I should have done it. But you know, just stupid stuff. You're just like, yeah. oh, my goodness. Well, there, we could have been doing a lot worse. Let's put it that oh, way. For you sure. Know? For sure. oh there's nothing like summer trips and and as much as you try to explain them to people uh you know they they still walk away like wow that's uh that's crazy and you're like yeah this we actually did this i I will say rick it's a lot different (laughs) as a a leader or as a you know a coach on those summer trips than it is uh when you're in high school or a junior high kid because you have a lot of responsibility you have some freedom as well that you didn't when you're a kid but I mean, it, it's totally different when you're an adult as a, as a coach or a leader. Oh, for sure. Like, you know, cause when you're a kid, you know, you're, you just feel like, okay, if I get hurt, no big deal. But as, as the leader in charge, if a kid gets hurt now, you're like, oh man, that's, you know, this is someone else's like precious jewel and you got to take care of that. So mm-hmm. I know probably I've been softer on, you know, as far as I, I don't want that kid to get hurt. Cause you know, I don't, you know, 
I don't want the parent to be upset or, you know, I don't want anything bad to happen to the kid, obviously. So, yeah, I think uh, even us, you know, we kind of, oh, we can't do that nowadays. You know, it's just not you know, a good idea. But definitely it's, you know, it's a definitely a different experience of, you know, and, and the fact that I have kids of my own, you know, it, now I treat, you know, the, the kids on my team, how would I want my kid treated? You know, hey, I, I want them looked after. I want them, you know, so I definitely have a diff- different, uh, when I'm, when I was coaching younger as, you know, as a younger guy, I didn't always see things as a family situation or, um, you know, always the necessarily the, the safest thing for the kid. But now that I have my own, I definitely, definitely uh, see things differently. Well, you know, you know, Rick, speaking of, of those kids, I mean, uh, you have three kids, uh, one daughter, two boys. And you know what? I want to talk real quick about about the number 20 for you, because uh, I, that seems to be your lucky number, because uh, you just celebrated your 20th year of marriage. You yep. just, just celebrated your oldest daughter's uh, high school graduation or, or are about to. And, and I'll let you touch on that. But, you know, it's the year 2020. And then uh, your, your other your other uh, son, Colby, he just graduated from eighth grade. He's going into high school. So the year 2020. And then you also told me this is your 20th year of, uh, of being a teacher. So, uh, man, I know you were a number. Th- uh, let's see the Johnsons. What were you? Uh, 33 or maybe 33. you were number three. Yeah, yeah, 33, but you're number 33. But I got to say, man, the number 20 uh, sure, sure is in your favor. <laughs> yeah, I guess uh, at first, you know, the whole 2020 thing wasn't so great, you know, with the mm-hmm. whole COVID and, and you know, the graduation situation wasn't looking good for our kids. But you know what? They uh, For Colby, they did a, a really cool thing where um, the, the coaches and the leaders, um, some of the teachers went out to the kids' uh, houses and they actually presented them at their house and we filmed it and then they put it together into a, a video. And then Colby actually was the, he was the middle school president and valedictorian. So he actually got to do a speech and that was pretty cool. Um, and then uh, for Clarissa, um, she, they, they've done a virtual thing, just kind of like honoring them, but they're hoping to have a, a legitimate uh, graduation, hopefully, um, sometime either July or, or August, hopefully they're going to allow them to, to have that gathering. Uh, definitely the 20 years of marriage have been awesome. And, and I hear people, you know, they would say like, yeah, it just gets better and better. And I used to always think like, how, how does it get better and better? But yeah, it does, man. I don't know. It's just, it just seems like things, uh, you know, definitely, uh, are better and better with, with, uh, you know, our marriage and, and just seeing the kids grow up and, it's been really awesome. And then I, I could probably say I've been at the same school for 20 years. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm going for, you know, to see if I can stay at the same school my whole career. That would be awesome uh, where I'm teaching. But, um, you know, we never know where things lead. So we'll see. But, yeah, it's definitely 20 has been good. Uh, even through the COVID thing, you know, we've managed and, and uh, we've made the best of it. Yeah, 2020 is definitely something everyone's going to remember for so many reasons. It's been uh, the COVID thing is, uh, you know, shortened, unfortunately, some uh, people's uh, education and their experiences and their jobs even. So so that's unfortunate. But I'm glad to see that the family is, uh, you know, moving forward and, and still able to accomplish, uh, you know, their their graduation. 
that has that has to just be uh, a blast for you or this past year or a couple of years having kids at that age, you know, Clarissa going through high school. I know your, your, your middle son, uh, Calvin, right. He's in high school also. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and then you no. got Colby in junior high. I mean, that's just have to have to have had been a really fun past couple of years. Yeah, it's definitely, it's definitely fun, you know, get a, you know, they're at the age where you can do more things with them and they like to be active. So, you know, whether it's playing basketball, going for bike rides, hiking, whatever it may be, working at the at home. Actually, right now they're they're uh, they're over at Todd's house uh, helping do some yard work. So, you know, earning money for that next trip. So next year, you know, they're going on, they're they're going to be going on a trip, and so they're earning money here and there uh, for that next trip. Oh, that's beautiful. Uh, you know, I do want to say we mentioned it in the intro that you teach at, you teach at California elementary and you're, and you're trying to be there for, you could say you've been there 20 years. Uh, you've been there a long time. What, what grade do you teach? And have you always kind of taught that grade? So when I first started, it was fourth grade and, uh, it actually was run as a third grade class, but it ended up being fourth grade, which kind of got me excited about, cause you know, that's when they kind of learn about missions, California missions, so my wife and I, we had just gotten married. So that summer after, after we got married and then I got hired, you know, we had a, we had a, the summer to kind of, um, get some experiences. So we actually toured, we went to all 21 California missions. So we like, we would go to a certain spot the weekend and then used it as a hub and went to all the different missions. And that was a really cool and fun experience. Um, but I've mainly done fourth grade. I've done some fifth grade. And I did third grade one year, but um, pretty much fourth or fifth. The last couple of years, I've actually done combos. I have had four or five combos. This next year, I'm supposed to have a fifth grade. So we'll see uh, if that stays true. But yeah, so pretty much fourth or fifth has been the age I've been uh, been teaching. Uh, I mean, I got to tell you, I mean, your kids are older now, but okay. In this 20 year span, you're working with fourth, fifth grade kids. Then you're you're usually coaching <laughs> somewhere between third and uh, we'll say fifth grade kids, maybe six, whatever the case may be. And then you got three kids of your own. So, I mean, you're around kids all day, my man. I mean, what, <laughs> what's that been like, man? Uh, you know, you got to really love kids. So, I mean, I do <laughs> love kids and it's fun. I will tell you some days are not so good, especially, you know, if it was a bad day at at school, you know, just like a tough day or maybe even one of the practices didn't go so well, you know, kids kind of goofing off, whatever. But overall, it's been a blast. And and the nice thing is uh, my kids have, have kind of done what I did with my dad, where they were able to come to practices and kind of check it out. Or even sometimes they would even help. And, you know, they might have only been a grade or two above, but it's like, hey, man, I need some help today. Can you come help me out? And, and yeah. So like last summer I did a, we did a travel basketball team and uh, I didn't have another coach to help me out. So my son Colby was my assistant coach and helped keep stats and, and uh, yeah, he did a really good job. <laughs> That's outstanding. And, and you know what, Rick, you're, you're someone who has, uh, who, who's always wanted to maybe take a carry youth league team, uh, not really an all-star team, but just a, a group of kids and go play some other leagues in like an exhibition or maybe a tournament. I mean, what can you tell me about your passion to kind of, to kind of do that? Cause you're really the only person I know at care that's wanted to do that and has done that. So what can you tell me about those, uh, those uh, unique experiences? 
Well, I think, you know, when I was younger and, you know, playing against the guys, I never got to play with them. So, you know, for me, it's like, hey, these guys always got to battle each other. Be fun to get guys, you know, that want to do it. And, hey, let's just do a care team and let's go play other teams and, and see how we could do. And uh, we've we've done it. We did it a couple years um, and it's just guys that want to. So it's not always, you know, your top 10 guys, but. It's guys that want to do it, so that's what I want. I, you know, I'd rather take guys that want to play and want to practice and learn than guys that don't really want to do it, even though they might be good, because you know that's not going to work out in the end. But the first year we did it, we uh, we got third place in the tournament, and it was definitely a learning experience for all of us, because this whole new concept of the travel ball thing was all new to me. And then uh, last year, uh, we basically stayed with the same team, and we just moved up to the next level, and. Uh, we basically try to play a couple uh, games, um, just get guys to play games. And a lot of times we played at, at uh, the Stiver Center. But then we played in a tournament out in Rancho, and we actually took first place in that one. So that was that was awesome. Well, nice. And I think it, it does a few things. It gives exposure to Care Youth League, showing that, you know, there's there's other athletes out there from from other not well, although Care Youth League's pretty well known, but, uh, you know, that, that uh, gets exposure to the league. Uh, but it also shows that, you know, um, maybe some of these other these other teams and leagues, you know, hey, you can you can uh, compete with them. At least it doesn't sound like you were blown out at least too often, <laughs> you know, so no. uh, yeah, uh, it, it's great exposure and it's great for the kids to show, hey, look at care youth league. Uh, what you guys are doing in care is is benefiting you for when you grow up and to play other uh, other leagues and other teams, other schools, whether it real Hondo or not. I mean, it shows that hey, you can you guys can compete, especially if it's like you said, a group of guys that just likes playing and working together. Yeah, for sure. And uh, like I said, it just uh, guys that just wanted to to play and learn and and have fun and you know, I think it was kind of like our our Rio team. It wasn't. You know, there were some good athletes. I'm not going to say they weren't good, but, you know, they it was together them playing as a team that made them better. You know, it's just uh, but yeah, it was it was fun and and it was a great experience. Um, It was it was kind of cool to see because this one team we played in championship, their coaches were all over the refs and they're yelling at their kids. They were yelling at our kids. And uh, I just afterwards, I had a lot of compliments from parents just saying, you know what, we just appreciated how your team acted and how you acted and just you didn't stoop to their level, even though the way they were coaching and trying to, you know, get away with things. And and uh, I, you know, I just really appreciated that. And I think it showed a good character on our kids. So um, that was a cool experience as well. Well, Rick, I mean, you talk about the way you guys carried yourself in that tournament and how it was recognized by other people. And uh, you know what? I think that is something that, that care and Rio does very well. Uh, I mean, what, what are your comments? How, what would you say about today's youth sports uh, in general outside of care youth league, not, not to bash other leagues or, or anything, but just what, I mean, what are your thoughts on kind of the, the status of youth sports in our country these days? Cause it seems like, uh, it's getting a little carried away with, with some of the behaviors of parents and, and coaches and just all together. I, I don't know. That's just kind of my perception. What are some of your thoughts? Yeah, definitely. Um, I just think, you know, I think people see the the big dollars, right, for their kid, and they think their kid's going to be the next LeBron or 
you know, whoever it may be. And I don't think they're really realistic. If they look at the numbers, the chances of people even advancing to, you know, D1 is very slim. And then even all the guys from D1, the chances of them being drafted are very slim. We've actually had, we've actually had a couple kids from, from care who have gone uh, pro and some that have actually gone pretty high, you know, D1 and, and have attempted to, uh, to play in the, in, in the NFL and didn't quite make the cut, but you know, it, it's hard. And I, you know, I, I don't think parents aren't always realistic with, with, uh, how hard it is to get to that level. Yeah. I mean, I mean, you're a parent of, of three. I mean, so, uh, you know, every, every parent out there thinks their kid is, is the greatest and, and they think their kids, I, I you know, like, Echoing what you said, I tell people all the time, I'm like, you know, this is a pretty big country. The world isn't just this little city of yours. Uh, you know, there's a lot of cities in America, a lot of states, and, and a lot of great, great players and great athletes. And uh, I think it's great when people overachieve. I'm a huge fan of that. Uh, but unfortunately, you know, it's it just the – it's really uh, special gifts <laughs> some young, young men and women have uh, athletically that just – they stand apart from everyone else, and and that's just the way it is. Yeah, and I think obviously, you know, you got to have that that speed and that size as well. I mean, you look at kids when they're younger. That's the problem. Like they can be a super good at you know athlete when they're like six or seven, and part of that is they just maybe developed a little bit faster, or they have the knowledge of how to play the game, so it actually makes it look they look better than they really are. But if they stay that same size and they don't really grow as they get older, it's going to catch up to them. And I see that happen a lot. You know, kids are like super awesome when they're in like third grade, fourth grade. And then all of a sudden you see them in junior high and everybody else caught up to them. And, you know, there's kind of the average player now. <laughs> well, well, I'll take it. I'll take it off the field even, Rick. You know, I used to be pretty good at math when I was in uh, second, third, fourth. Fifth. Man, I got into high, junior high and high school. It, it got a little harder for me. <laughs> so I mean, that's true. You know, that's just an example. Like it, as you grow up, yeah, you, you can uh, you can develop maybe quicker than some people, but uh, others develop later. And uh, you know, it is what it is. I think Rio prides itself on, on beating people that uh, are more talented. Uh, so it's not to take anything away from that, but I think there's this huge push uh, from parents these days in youth sports, especially, and then in junior high and then playing, uh, you know, playing basically year round one sport now. And that's another thing I can't wrap my head around is, is kids, if you're going to play sports, at least play a couple, you know, play a couple different sports because I, I think it's good for you to experience that. And, and I don't think there's enough of that going around these days. Oh yeah. And definitely a couple things. First of all, the, the, some of the kids, they just don't have fun anymore because, you know, the parents expect them to be the next all-star and, you know, they're on their case all the time. And, and I just see the kid and I just feel bad for him. Cause I'm like, poor guy, man, he just wants to play and have fun. And his parents are just all over him. And then uh, something I learned, I actually, uh, Todd had gone to Concordia and he got his master's in coaching. And I'd always wanted to do that. And so I had a chance a couple of years ago to do that. And so I got my master's in, in coaching administration and uh, we'd have these college coaches come in and they said, when they're recruiting, they're looking at kids that played more than one sport because, you know, you look at Sam Darnold, he was, he was good in football, but he was also like MVP. I think he was the league MVP in basketball and him 
you know, kind of being a point guard or, you know, kind of running the show helped him, you know, de- develop the passing skills and seeing other, you know, where players are. And, you know, there's just all these different things that you can, you know, footwork and stuff that you can add on to playing other sports. Or you even look at, um, I think in football, a lot of the big guys that are on the line, a lot of those guys have wrestled, you know, and that mm-hmm. just taught them, you know, stuff as well. But definitely, you know, a lot of things that we see is playing multiple sports is actually better for the kid. And it's healthier too, because they're not using the same muscles over and over or the same, you know, you see all these guys in baseball blowing out their arms when they're 15 and 16, because they're just playing nonstop and they're playing in two different leagues or whatever. So yeah, it's kind of crazy, but anyways, I, I think there's a, there's a time and a place to, you know, quote unquote specialize, but it's not when you're young, it's not even in your early teenage years. I mean, yeah, if you want to play uh, college football or college basketball or, or college baseball, yeah, at some point, you know, you're going to have to just commit to that and be all in, but I'm with you. I mean, playing multiple sports, uh, number one, it builds you a little character because maybe you're not as good in another sport, but you learn to contribute in other ways. growing up someone who played multiple sports like you did, I didn't love all of them, but it was a way to compete uh, year round and and to, to really care about something year round. Oh yeah, for sure. And then just being part of the team, like you said, just building that camaraderie camaraderie and, you know, with care, you know, that the team stay together. So, you know, whatever team you are in football, you're with those same kids in basketball. And so, the kids develop really good relationships. The parents develop relationships. And uh, that's another thing I learned at Concordia. Big thing in, in uh, helping people is developing relationships, whether it's coaching or teaching. You know, you have to build those relationships with people. And, you know, that's what's going to, you know, have a, more of an influence on them and really, you know, where they're going to trust you. You have to have that relationship. Yeah, I, I think that's 100% dead on. That's a constant theme. I think even talking on this is anytime I catch up with someone, we talk about the relationships, whether it be Care Youth League, uh, minor league baseball, college baseball, uh, any any avenue in your life that you go in, you need to be able to work with people, to, to lead people, at times uh, be a listener yourself. There's just so many things you learn from sports, from being on a team, uh, because as you know, Rick, you know, all of our athletic careers end, even, even the best in the business, their, their athletic careers end, but you got to be able to find something in your life where uh, you can excel and use the skills you've learned as a kid. Uh, I'm not talking about, you know, uh, uh, long division or uh, a science project, but, but you, you know what I mean? Like you need to be able to take the skills you've learned uh, from being on a team or from getting through school, whatever the case may be, and put them into practice in some form in your adult life. Oh yeah, for sure. And and I think the other thing on that is the constantly wanting to get better, wanting to learn more. You know, I've been coaching for, I don't know, 30 years, but I don't know it all. And I, I'm constantly looking at, Hey, what's a, a new technique or what's a, a better way of doing something and if, if you're just settled on doing the status quo every year after year, you know, you're not getting better. You got to constantly be getting better so you can, you know, help those kids to learn more and they can get better as well. 
Yeah, and you know, Rick, we touched on your teaching career and, and how long you've been at it and the different kids you've worked with, but I, I failed to ask you, and it's kind of relatable to what we're saying right now, but what what made you get into teaching? Did you Was it because you liked coaching? Did you like uh, working with kids and thought you could do it on a, on a bigger scale? I mean, what was it about being a teacher? Did you know when you were in college that's what you wanted to do? Tell me about that process. Actually, um, you know, I'd always, I was always, uh, had coaching was always an interest of mine. Um, but I actually was interested in business and, uh, I started, I took a class or two at PCC and then it just, uh, didn't seem interesting to me. I don't know. Um, for some reason I just, I was like, oh, it's not the same as what I was expecting to be. And I'm, I love being with people. Um, my, my kids are going to can tell you sometimes I'll, I'll get in a conversation with a neighbor or a friend or whatever, and we'll talk forever. And then be like, dad's talking again. He's talking <laughs> to so-and-so or whatever. But, uh, I just, I think I just love people. And, uh, that was a profession where, um, you know, you get to be with people and it, it's always a different day. It's not the same old, same old. That's the other thing. I, I, I don't like doing the same exact thing every year. Like I'll have different themes. I'll do things differently. I, I don't, I don't keep my, you know, my lesson plans and just regurgitate them the next year. You know, it's like, Hey, what can I do differently? Or how can I add to that? And, and, uh, I, I like it to be exciting. And, and, uh, it just, uh, I, I think the way I got into it was actually a couple people said, Hey man, you, you do well with kids. Maybe you should get into teaching. And I was like, ah, you know, and, and then I started thinking about it and, and, uh, you know, I did start subbing and I started liking it and, it kind of took off from there. Wow. Yeah. That's <laughs> business to teaching. And you know what? Uh, I got to imagine with, with the COVID uh, situation the past few months that you've had your fair share of challenges like most people in education have. I mean, they talk about distance learning and maybe you can do that with some high school kids who are tech savvy and this and that. But, but what are the challenges you've experienced the past few months in, in teaching uh, kids from a distance or, or if you're even doing that, what's this whole situation been like the past few months in regards to uh, being an educator? I would say definitely it started off a little difficult. First of all, we didn't know how long we were going to be out for. So I know a lot of district districts were kind of holding out on, uh, you know, we're not really sure what we're doing yet. Kind of gave, you know, they gave kids copies of things, but uh, not really much. And then we started learning about Zoom. And, you know, fortunately at, at our school, and I think a lot of schools uh, at our grade level, because I'm four, four or five, we had already started using Google Classroom. So that part was a little bit easier transition to use the Google Classroom. Um, the part that was difficult was, you know, kids didn't necessarily have the resources of computers and Wi-Fi at home. Our district did a really good job of getting them to them. It did take a while, but eventually they got it to them. And towards the end of the, you know, the COVID school year, I had a good uh, amount of kids that were actually coming online and attending the Zoom classes and doing the assignments. And uh, I, I actually enjoyed it. It was, it was, it was a, it was a fun experience. Um, it was a little frustrating when, you know, there were kids that weren't coming. And so you're like, oh man, those kids are just going to get behind because they're not getting any, you know, anything. Um, but it was, it was a handful of kids. It wasn't a lot. Uh, and actually I'm doing a summer, uh, a summer math uh, for actually junior high kids, a seventh grade. 
And uh, I've been enjoying that a lot. These they know how, they know the steps now. They know the process. So it's been real easy. They they get on every morning. You know, we start at nine o'clock, and you know, I teach the lesson, and and uh, I get responses from them, and you know, we'll play games once in a while. But um, I've I've enjoyed it. But I think it's definitely gotten better uh, as time has gone on. Now, is it better than the classroom? No, <laughs> you know it. But you know, I, I feel like you could still build some relationships. Um, even through the zoom uh, process. Do uh, does your wife Valerie still uh, teach? She does. She does. She teaches first grade at Pearl prep. Um, and they were doing some of the same stuff. They were actually doing videos every day for the kids and they were sending stuff weekly and the kids would return it weekly. Um, but yeah, she, she teaches first grade over, uh, over at Pearl. I can't imagine. And you talked about your, your son Colby being valedictorian and uh, this and that I'm assuming all the Johnson kids are uh, great, great, uh, very smart kids. I can't imagine having two teachers as parents uh, <laughs> growing up and doing, you know, homework. And I mean, maybe it would come into uh, be beneficial with some things, but uh, I got to imagine too, you know, not doing homework was never an excuse in the, uh, in the Johnson house and, and just what it's been like for your kids having two teachers as parents. They would probably tell you the same thing. Oh man, we got parents, you know, teachers as parents, they make us do this and that, but you know what, they've, they've done really well. And I'll be honest, um, they pretty much were self-disciplined on this whole COVID thing. They would, they would get up and they would do their work and, and they were really pretty good about it. So the nice thing is we didn't, we didn't have to push them as much just because they wanted to get it done. But I, I have to give credit to my wife because she started them at a young age of, you know what, this is what we're going to do. And you do this first and you get a play like in the, in the summers for the past, since they're little kids, we always had them doing stuff in the summer. We didn't want them to just not learn. So we got, you know, simple resources. It was always, you know, read at least 20 to 30 minutes a day. And then we got, some, you know, a little a little book that was had some math practice and stuff like that. And they did that every day and then they can play the rest of the day. But, you know, it was like, hey, we got to we got to keep learning. We can't just turn it off in the summer. So um, she definitely gets credit for that. But I would say they were they were very well disciplined and they've they've uh, definitely um, did a lot of it on their own. So um, I have to give them credit for that. <laughs> well, well, that's great stuff. And, and I'm pretty sure that you guys both had uh, plenty to do with with that and raising them. Uh, but but, you know, technology, Rick, it, it's a very tricky uh, <laughs> thing. You know, it can be very beneficial, as you're talking about with uh, your, your students right now with the covid lockdown uh, situation and all that. But technology, unfortunately, can also be harmful. Uh, these days with with kids they have so many distractions heck adults have distractions now with all this technology too so I think what you just said about like your summers with the kids hey you got to do some schoolwork first before you can play I think that's a great practice I don't think enough people are doing that I think unfortunately a lot of people just say uh, you know go play on the computer or go play with your phone or go play video games and and there's a time and a place for those things but unfortunately I think so many people are just using it as a, uh, as a, I don't know, a babysitter or a crutch. You know what I mean? Like it, technology, I think could be a little uh, dangerous if, if not used properly. Oh, for sure. There definitely need to be limits. 
Um, and yeah, I agree. It, it seems like some people are just like, uh, it's summertime, turn it off. You know, my kid's just going to be a kid. Well, my, our kids were still kids, but they still did a little bit of school as well to keep sharp because statistics show kids actually lose, um, you know, lose some of that from some of that, uh, what they learned in the summer because they haven't been, um, exposed to it and keep, keep learning. That's why I think it's great that these kids that are doing the summer program, uh, you know, the math they're, they're choosing to do that, 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 you know, they're not being forced to do that either. They are or their parents, but I mean, Hey, they're getting up every morning at nine o'clock and they're with me. And, and, uh, I think that's great. And, you know, they're going to benefit from it come in the fall. Um, the other thing, yeah, with the whole technology thing, I think, you know, we, we, uh, you know, get a lot of advice from, you know, Dr. Dobson and focus on the family and, and places, you know, places like that, that really want to help families. And one thing they say is, you know, you got to parents, you got to limit the kids on the, on the screens, too much screen time is not good for them. And, and we would always, you know, especially during the school, school year, you know, they, they wouldn't have access to those things like the PS4 and all that, that wouldn't even be on during the school year. You know, the weekends were a little bit, you know, obviously they can do that. And even with our phones, we, you know, we have them plug their phones in, in our room at night. So they're not, you know, up till four in the morning, you know, doing stuff. So I, you know, I just think, you know, we as parents also have to help out the situation because, you know, if you just give the kid the freedom to do whatever he wants, he's going to, you know, not always make the best choices. Yeah. And, and again, Rick, I just, I can't imagine work, working with kids all day, the way you do uh, all year. And, and you know what, having, having three uh, outstanding kids now and, and they're, they're blossoming uh, into uh, adulthood very soon here, which is, which is hard to believe. And I can't believe you've been married 20. I remember your wedding 20 years ago. I was 15 years old. I think we were coaching together. Uh, like, like I said, uh, uh, I was in ninth grade. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah. just crazy. Time yeah, flies. We had a lot of the, um, a lot of the, we had my Gator team. Our Gator team was in the, in the wedding. They sang with, my wife was coaching choral. Right. The girls and the guys, I remember like Cos and the guys, right? You just had Mr. McCraven <laughs> on, like his son, that, that team, they, uh, they were, they performed at our wedding and it was fun to have them, you know, share our wedding with us. Yeah, that was that was outstanding. It was uh, I remember out, outside and yeah, that was cool. They they sang with the Valerie's uh, family. You know, one story I, I remember. I have this weird memory, Rick, where were the weirdest things I remember. But I remember you told me a story about Valerie, and I think she was a few years younger than you. Uh, she went to Real Hondo Prep also, and you were you were the president, I believe, and you're passing out you know the the, the pin uh, the pin of care for people who pinned, and I think. Now, if I'm wrong, tell me, but I think you, you, you went to call her last name and, uh, she, her name was, uh, Oriana, I think, or yeah, <laughs> I'll let you finish the story, but didn't you just say, uh, Valerie, uh, Valerie. <laughs> yeah. I basically didn't want to butcher it. You know, uh, my mom was born in Iowa and so, you know, she has a hard time with Spanish names and, uh, I guess I just got some of that from her, but anyways, um, yeah, I didn't want to butcher it up, so I exactly what you said. I said Valerie, uh, Valerie. So I guess I gave her special attention that night. <laughs> oh man, the rest was history. What, yeah, what can you say? Right. 
<laughs> Funny stuff. I, I love stories like that, that, uh, you know, that, that are timeless really. And, and they're just, uh, they're so special. And there's so many of these, right. When I talk with people and, uh, you just, you, you remember things that you didn't know you were remembering, <laughs> you know, something like that. I, I got to ask you this, cause this came up actually. Do you remember, I uh, interviewed Fred Monoblocco not too long ago. And do you remember, he talked about his first day in care. He just, I think he, you were coaching the summer team on Indian or something. And he just, he just, uh, you know, rolled on out there with his long hair and new uniform and, uh, you just kind of threw him in the soccer game and he kicked a goal or something. Do you remember his first day? Oh yeah, definitely. So first <laughs> of all, you know, the long hair kind of st- stood out, but also, you know, it's soccer and he's what, I think from, you know, his family's from Peru, I think it is. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, there's some soccer blood in there. So I was of course excited and I think our team wasn't that good. So to have a guy that could actually play, that was kind of fun. And yeah, Freddie's an awesome guy. I, I still see some of his stuff online. Actually, his mom just, uh, he just posted something about his mom graduating. Uh, and yeah, that's awesome from UCR or something like that. And, um, but yeah, those are good times. Definitely. <laughs> he told, yeah, the, the Montebanco family can't say enough about him. Great people. And Fred and I have grown closer over the years. And he told me that story of his first day of care. And, and I think he, yeah, he said like, yeah, Rick Johnson was my coach. He says, hey, can you kick a penalty kick? And you're like, uh, yeah. <laughs> He just goes in and, uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's funny stuff. It's the different connections, man. Uh, (laughs) Oh my goodness. Uh, yeah, well, that was another thing I learned. I learned from you when I was coaching with you is you, you, uh, I wouldn't say, let's see, how do I phrase this? (laughs) You didn't, I think you probably cared more about soccer than I would say most coaches in Cary League. Is that a fair statement? I mean, you, (laughs) you try to do a little more research. When I finally made the connection that soccer is actually very similar to basketball, but just with your feet, mm-hmm. um, I was like, oh, this is actually a pretty cool sport. And, uh, you know, I know people kind of say how boring it is and this and that because they don't score many goals, but you can still have great plays without a goal scored. But, yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, obviously our our, our goal is, you know, we want to help kids, you know, with character and, and you know, obviously, um, you know, I care – is basically, you know, teach them uh, principles from the Bible. But also, I want those kids to learn how to play the sport. So number one, they'll enjoy it. Number two, maybe it'll be a sport they want to play later on. And and uh, definitely, I honestly, I, I didn't know a lot about soccer. But like you said, I definitely would try to research it. And, and I still, actually last summer, I went to uh, Concordia again to, to take a class. And um, the one that I wanted to try to do was soccer. Unfortunately, it was only like a, a one week thing and I couldn't go every day, but uh, yeah, it was, it was, uh, there's a lot to learn. Let me just say that. <laughs> yeah. And I've always been that guy that, you know, I, I've, I've tried, I really have tried and I just, I can't, I cannot get into it. I just, <laughs> Oh my goodness. It's a whole nother subject, but I know Fred's Fred, uh, we, him and I argue all the time and there's other soccer fans out there, but uh, it is what it is. We don't always have to agree. It's just, you know, it's, there's nothing yeah. wrong with that. <laughs> true, true. Uh, but, but Rick, in uh, just kind of closing, what other what other sports? I mean, do you are you still kind of a big sports fan? Uh, what was it like? Have you transitioned as an adult and kind of just don't care as much as maybe when you were a kid? We were a Laker fan, uh, f- football, college football. What is kind of your take on on sports uh, as a fan these days? I definitely, uh, I still love sports. I definitely have mellowed out because you know, like you said, I am getting older, can't quite move as well, so. You know, I prefer to kind of 
watch most of the sports rather than play just because, you know, I can't, <laughs> can't really do as much as I used to do. But, um, I, yeah, I, I, I love sports. Um, I, I, I actually like college sports just because, well, it might be changing now because guys might be getting paid, but you know, guys just, just love, you know, I just love, you know, we'd go to those Fullerton baseball games and you see the guys just hustling out to the position, hustling down first baseline, even though they know they're going to be out where, you know, the pros, you don't see that. And I know the pros, you know, I will say this, they're long season. So, you know, of course, you know, they're this, their time to like, Hey, I'm going to be out. I might as well not strain myself. I got, you know, 20 games in a row here. We don't always think about that, but I don't know. I just love the, the pure, like hustle and enthusiasm of the, of the college game, even college football, college basketball. I've always loved the college game. And not only that, you know, it's usually a little bit cheaper to get into the games. Although nowadays those prices are going up too, but, uh, you know, I couldn't always get to the pro games cause you know, they're, they're got to fork out more, more dough, but the college games were always something a little bit more affordable. And I just love the, the passion that those guys have. And, and, uh, yeah, there's definitely uh, fun to go to games. I like taking my my sons to games. We'll usually go to uh, you know a few games uh, each year, whether it's you know a couple baseball, a couple you know football, whatever it may be. Well, yeah, and if like you talked about, you know, stretching a dollar too. Like, I mean, going to a a Big West basketball game. It's Division One basketball up close. You know, you can't always go to like a USC UCLA game because those are pretty expensive tickets. But you know, uh, Long Beach, Fullerton, and Irvine, like that's a little more affordable, and and it's good stuff right up close. Uh, Big West baseball, you know, and, and those are kind of schools in our in our backyard that you can attend. Uh, unfortunately, there's not a whole lot of options for football, but you know, you can always go to a, a D three game or something. And, uh, so there's options here in Southern California, but yeah, the, the money is getting so big, uh, in these businesses that unfortunately fans, fans, uh, it's tough to afford getting to games, especially for oh, families. Yeah, definitely. And we've done a lot of high school games as well. So, uh, you know, even like the bigger, some of the bigger schools when, you know, when our kids don't, you know, they have a buy or whatever, we'll go check out, you know, uh, you know, possibly modern day or, you know, something like that. And, you know, it's just fun to see different, different uh, teams and different schools. And, you know, you can learn obviously from other guys and, and uh, other coaches and yeah, it's just a great experience. Yeah. I'm right there with you. I mean, I used to go to high, random high school baseball playoff games or random high school basketball playoff games, not knowing anyone there, just looking for a good game. I'd even go by myself. Some of my friends are like, why would you go watch those? I'm like, dude, it's competition. It's, uh, you know, it's it's a, an age I can appreciate. Like, uh, it's still fun and, and definitely cheaper. So uh, I'm right there with you. Anytime you can see competition at any level, uh, I, I like taking advantage of it. Yeah, for sure. I think uh, I think you actually helped us get into one of those games. But De La Salle came down and played like uh, Corona Centennial for like the state championship, or I think that was one of those games. And that game was just so crazy and fun. <laughs> but yeah, just it is. It's it. Uh, I don't know. And like you said, you could you don't have to worry about sitting in the nosebleed seats and you know prices to buy something. You know you're not paying ten dollars to buy a soda. And yeah, it's just uh, a lot more family affordable. That's that's for sure. 
Yeah, yeah. I, I don't mind watching the, the bigger stuff from TV. Comfort of my own home, air conditioning, no lines for uh, restrooms, cheaper uh, cheaper beverage and food prices. So, but yeah, I, I, I still I still have that need to get out to, to ball games. And that's what I usually do, Rick. I go to smaller colleges or even high school stuff, whatever, whatever the case may be. And I, and I still get to Rio games because Rio football is just so special to me. Uh, I, I will always be a supporter and it's just so fun to, to get to live sporting events. I'm really hopeful here that when the fall rolls around that, uh, you know, there will be uh, sports back, whether it be professional college or even high school. I, I think the country needs it. Uh, we need a lot of things right now, but I think sports is so great because it brings people together. You, you, you high five uh, random strangers sometimes who, who just have the same uh, color Jersey you're wearing. Like, I think it's, it's uh, something that is over, underrated as far as what it can do for the country. And I know kids need it. Kids need to be out there playing sports as well. Oh yeah, definitely. I a hundred percent agree. Well, well, Rick, I'm going to, I'm going to end with a, a, a rather a story that I was there and I, I, it was so humorous to me. Uh, so one time we were all, we were, I was a, a young leader, we'll call it in my early twenties. And there was this huge at Cary Youth League, this huge coaches, leaders uh, gathering. Uh, I don't know if it was a Fosterians or what it was, but it was this, uh, we, we were all just there to like a, not like kind of a retreat. I don't know what to call it, but, but Rick, you got up and we had a few different coaches and, and leaders speak and you got up and you got to, to speak. And in your hands, you had a basketball. And to those who've played basketball with Rick, uh, like Magic Johnson, same last name, no relation, uh, you know, he could deliver a pass that uh, if you weren't looking, it would, it would drill you. And you better be ready on the basketball court. I played a few pickup basketball games with Rick, and I could tell you even, his, even in his 30s at the time, that was the case. So uh, Rick's message theme to everyone was uh, keep your eyes on Jesus at all times. And during your, your talk – you would there was probably fifty people in the in the audience. I'm thinking, and you would just randomly look look straight ahead. You throw the ball to someone on the right, and you do this every ten seconds or so while you're talking about keeping your eyes on Jesus, keeping your eyes on the Lord. Well, <laughs> someone had their head down. I don't know if they were praying or deep in thought, and you could not have drilled them. I don't, you definitely didn't try, but you threw the ball out there and it hit this person square right above their forehead. And it made this loud, this loud thud sound. And we all look and it was Mr. Taylor. (laughs) You drilled and Mr. Taylor's like a minister now. I know he was, uh, he was back uh, in Georgia or something, or I could be wrong, but he, He's an older gentleman, and Rick not, hit him right in the head. Everyone laughed, but was also trying not to laugh. And Rick, that was still one of my favorite uh, sermons, we'll call it, of all time. Oh, I remember that, and I felt so bad when I drilled him. Because, <laughs> <laughs> like you said, Mr. Taylor was always, you know, a mentor of mine. And oh, yeah, that was uh, it was. I don't know how to explain it, but yeah, I, I remember feeling really bad, but it was kind of funny. I will say. Oh my goodness. That was <laughs> hilarious. And uh, he even, he even said a comment or I can't remember what he said, but he got up and said something uh, 
and we we're all laughing about it. And, and yeah, the message was made clear. Hey, you take your eyes, uh, you take your eyes off the Lord for a second, man. You get hit in the head with a basketball. You never know. Right. That's right. And he was a good sport about it. I will say that. <laughs> oh man. Well, Rick, uh, I, I really appreciate you being here. It's been a blast to, to talk about uh, pretty much everything uh, from the past, uh, coaching and care, real Hondo, uh, just just talking about kids in general these days, being a teacher, just everything we've touched on has been uh, has been very informative to myself, uh, to the audience. I, I got to say it's uh, it was a pleasure to talk with you and, and definitely catch up. It's been a while. Yeah, for sure. And thank you. And, and I wish you well and, and hope you for success with your podcast. And uh, and when you get to get back to roughing and umping and whatever else you're uh, pursuing these days. <laughs> Thanks so much, Rick. We will talk to you soon. All right. Have a good one. Thank you so much to Rick Johnson for joining us on the program today. It was an absolute blast to catch up with him. It's been a while, and, man, he's got some great things going for him. And and, and the number 20, and, man, I got to tell you, the year 2020 hasn't been good to all of us. But, uh, you know, he, he's got a he's got a lucky number there. I got to tell you, 20 years of marriage in 2020, 20 years of teaching in 2020. Uh, his oldest uh, child is graduating high school in 2020. So, man, Rick, uh, you know, I know your number's 33 and the Johnsons are 33, but you guys might want to consider uh, mixing in a, a 20 here and there, whatever the case may be. But thanks again, Rick. Really appreciate it. My best to your wife, Valerie, your daughter, Clarissa, and your sons, Colby and Calvin. Thank you for listening, guys. Uh, you know what? Good luck to you and everything you're doing. And God bless the Johnson family. Well, guys, tomorrow we're going to be joined by Roy Ramirez. I met Roy back in 2009 at Umpire School, the Jim Evans Academy of Professional Umpiring out in Kissimmee, Florida, just outside of Orlando. We were actually roommates for five weeks. We were all in these hotel rooms, uh, and that's how we were kind of lodged. And Roy and I were roommates. We, he was from Southern California also. We had never met before uh, joining up and, and being roommates that uh, that early uh, or January of 2009, we were there for five weeks, uh, just going through the umpire courses, and and uh, you know we got through it. Uh, it was it was a grind, but not that big of a grind really. It was wasn't like a military academy or anything, but had a great time. I was uh, had a great time with Roy too, just being my roommate and and all the people I met there. And we'll talk about all that, the people we we've met and and gone on. Uh, or our lives either staying in touch with or just reaching out to every now and then. And, and I can't believe it's been 11 years really since I've seen him. So it was a great time to catch up with him. Be sure to tune in tomorrow with that. Again, even if you're not an umpire, I think you'll get something from it. He has some opinions on, on some of the current events going on. Yeah, he now works for the federal government. Uh, we won't go into too many details of that, but uh, he's got some some. Uh, experience uh, as an EMT, also some security work. So uh, some very uh, various things he's done. And again, he's living out in Texas now. It was great to catch up with him. So please check in tomorrow on our program. I promise you it'll be a fun interview to listen to. Uh, I want to thank all the guests from the, the week that's been so far. If you haven't had a chance to listen to them, Dan Bob Garner Sr. was on Monday. Billy Cunha, my old uh, minor league partner in 2010, was in on Tuesday. And, of course, Wednesday, yesterday, was Bill Barnes. He's back. He was back again, and he's back every single Wednesday. So 
Be sure to tune into those. If you're interested, you can listen to any of our episodes at any time. I mean, we're, we're in the 60s now of our of our total episodes. We're climbing right along. As, we, as are our total plays, we're slowly approaching, you know, uh, 3,500 plays. Uh, we'll get there soon. And then on to 4,000 plays. We just continue to grow. We really appreciate all of you for tuning in. You can follow the Get Home Safe podcast many ways. We mention it every time, but on Twitter, we're Get Home Safe Pod. Our handle is Get Home Safe Pod. Our Instagram and Facebook page is Get Home Safe Podcast. And our email address is Get Home Safe Podcast at yahoo.com. If you'd like to write in, give us any suggestions, any topics, we will definitely make you a part of the show. You know what? Uh, we want to be fan friendly, uh, include everyone that we can. So, uh, yeah, feel free to use any of those platforms. Anytime you want, email's great, but any platform uh, you reach out to us, we will get back to you as soon as we can. Uh, as always, our our uh, podcast is run through the Anchor app, as you are well aware. Uh, you can listen to us through the Anchor app or uh, Apple, Spotify, wherever you listen to us. Thank you uh, for doing so. If you'd like to forward our our podcast on to somebody else who might be interested, whether they, uh, they know us or not, hey, uh, pass it right along. We like to grow our audience and, and anyone who wants to listen, uh, you know what? Uh, we welcome them. As you know, guys, our, our podcast is a lot about sports, a lot about current events. And you, I think you know kind of where everybody kind of stands politically, but all are welcome to join. Uh, we we, uh, we uh, are non, non uh, what's the word? <laughs> Inclusive, intrusive, whatever it is. Uh, we, we, we welcome uh, outside content and people. Uh, you know, maybe not agree with us or, you know, different ideas. There's nothing wrong with that. I always say that all the time. It's, it's important to have different ideas and different uh, approaches. And, you know, we hear a lot of consistent stories from our friends that we do interview here, but there's also some different walks of life and and people come from different places and, and have different ideas. And I think that's great. So we're going to continue to do those things. I have a lot of people from Real Hondo Prep and Care Youth League, obviously that's my background and a lot of people from uh, baseball umpiring, but there's a lot of other people too, that I've come into contact with or cross paths with cross paths with over the years that uh, I'd like to get on the show. And at some point, you know, they, they, at some point in my life, they, they made an impact one way or another, even if it was just as a one-time occurrence or as a, you know, a friendly face or whatever it is. So we're trying to bring on more people. We're going to do that. We have more episodes or uh, interviews, I should say, lined up for next week's episodes. Uh, We're going to take a break for the weekend on Saturday and Sunday, and then we'll be back Monday through Friday with more episodes for you to listen to. Uh, Plenty of good interviews with uh, some, some upcoming guests. So we're excited about all that. Well, guys, no matter what you're doing, whether you're out on the town or around in third base, get home safe.